Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mummy Movie Podcast, where we are looking at the second half of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicle film titled My First Adventure. As this is the second of two parts, it's probably recommended that you listen to the first part first, though given the way the film is formatted, the second half is almost completely separate from the first, with its own beginning, middle and end, so you should be fine either way. In terms of the format of the episode, we shall start with a little look at the background information, then a section on the historical accuracy of this second half, and finally I shall review the second half and rate it out of 10. As this is the second of two parts, I shall also rate the entire film out of 10 as well. Right, let us get started. You have just arrived in the city of Tangier in Morocco, but little do you realise that the culture shock here is going to be more than you bargained for. On your journey, you will meet many fascinating people, but you will also see the darker side of humanity, as slavery is still rampant. This adventure will shape you as a person and make you realise that you want to be a force for good in this world. As you walk through the streets, you grasp how different culture can be for both good and bad. You think back to your travels in Egypt, realising how varied the world can be. I miss Egypt, you think to yourself, but there is still as much to learn here as there was in my first adventure. As mentioned in part one, on their re-release in 1999, the format of the young Indiana Jones Chronicle films were changed, making them more into sort of TV films. For this one, where the first part was based around his first adventure in Egypt, where he met the likes of T.E. Lawrence and Howard Carter, this second part is instead set in Morocco and features other famous historical figures such as the journalist Walter Harris and the adventurer Emily Keane. I shall talk a little bit about both of these people a bit more in the historical accuracy section. This second part of the film was largely shot on location in Tangier during 1996 and 1997 and was originally intended for a never-aired episode of the third season. 
However, this adventure was never released until the re-release in 1999. Due to the number of years passing between the first and second parts of this film, Corey Carrier, who plays the young Indiana Jones here, is noticeably much older in this second part, even though it is supposed to be set immediately after. Okay, we have now arrived at the historical accuracy section. So here, I'm just going to go over the film, looking at what is accurate and what is not. Though I should probably say just from the get-go that my degrees are in ancient history and Egyptology. Uh, so as this film is set in Morocco in the early 20th century, it's fair to say I am far away from my specialist area here. Don't get me wrong, I have done my best here. But please bear this in mind whilst you are listening. Near the beginning of this second part of the film, Indiana Jones's father claims that slavery is still very much legal in Morocco. Though during the film, there are hints that it is becoming sort of less acceptable. For instance, at one point, they end up in a slave market, and we find out that this is one of the few places in the country that can sell slaves anymore. This does actually seem pretty accurate. Slavery was not entirely sort of made illegal in Morocco until 1925. Though before then, in 1884, the British and French governments made it illegal for their own citizens to own slaves in Morocco. As already mentioned, Walter Harris, the, you know, the, the journalist in the film, was indeed a real person. As presented here, he was a journalist and he lived in Morocco from the age of 19. He would eventually become the permanent correspondent for the Times newspaper in 1906, so around about when he was 40 years old. Several of the things we see about him in the film are also faithful to his life as well. For a start, he takes Indiana Jones and his family to his villa in Tangier. And, well, yeah, he did own a villa in Tangier, that's accurate. In fact, he spent most of his life there. Further, at one part, we see him dressed up as a native so that he can go around in public unnoticed. This is an activity he used to do, and in fact, his natural complexion made it very easy for him to pass as a native. This allowed him to get into areas normally forbidden to foreigners, which is one of the reasons he had such a successful career as a journalist there. Finally, in this section, we shall talk about Emily Keane. Once again, she was a real person. In real life, she was an adventurer, and she did indeed go to Morocco, where she married a Sharif. So, for those who don't know, a Sharif is someone who is descended from, or <laughs> uh, sometimes claims to be descended from, the Prophet Muhammad. And this marriage between Emily Keane and the Sharif was actually one of the first instances known of someone from Morocco and England getting married. And in fairness, it did leave her in a very powerful and wealthy position. However, it is also noticeable that the film was a bit vague about her life after this point. And I do wonder if this is because they are trying to play up the romantic element of it all. In reality, she actually ended up divorcing the Sharif after he had an affair. And he would end up dying in 1891, so about 17 years before the setting of this film. Though, in fairness, Emily Keane was still alive at this point and would continue to live until she was about 95. So, overall, the film does have several parts that are indeed based on fact. Firstly, slavery was indeed still legal in Morocco in 1908. And both Emily Keane and Walter Harris were real people, 
and their characters here do hold many similarities to their real-life counterparts. Okay, we have now arrived at the review section. So here I'm simply going to talk about the second half of the film, saying what I like and dislike about it, and then rate it out of 10. As we've now covered the entire film, I shall also rate that completely out of 10 as well. To begin with, although the subject matter of this episode is undeniably very uncomfortable, we are talking about slavery after all, I do actually appreciate that the film covered this and didn't like shy away from it. Further, with a few exceptions, I did feel that most of the characters in the film were actually surprisingly three-dimensional. For a start, Emily Keane is shown as being very kind to Indiana and his family, but she still owns slaves, and in this way, it is presented as almost just like a part of everyday life. As already stated, the film taking this approach is very uncomfortable, but it's also probably not entirely incorrect. And it did make me feel quite conflicted about her character. For a start, she may own slaves, but she does treat them nicely, and she does treat them with a certain level of dignity as well. But they are still slaves, and they are still treated as beneath other people, and, well, basically they're not free, because, well, shocker, they're slaves. This is most apparent at the end of the film. Basically, at one point, Indiana Jones disguises himself as a native and goes out with Omar, a slave who he becomes friends with. During this trip, he is kidnapped, and his kidnappers try to sell him into slavery. It is noticeable that when Walter Harris finds them, he is more concerned with rescuing Indy than he is Omar, and in fact, if it wasn't for Indy insisting, Omar would probably have just been sold to a different master, and, you know, life would have gone on. I feel that this second half of the film would put a lot of people off and probably cause a lot of offence as well. But ultimately, I do feel that it does a really good job of showing that when something is integrated into society and presented as the norm, even if that thing is absolutely despicable, it is easy for people to not only ignore it, but to also participate in it. After all, even today, we like to think that we don't have slaves and that we are better than that now. But most of us are happy to go into shops and buy cheap clothing that's almost certainly been made in sweatshops. Then when those shops are discovered as doing this, very often they just get a fine and then things carry on as normal. Don't get me wrong, there are examples of shops being closed down because of this, but I'd say there's probably more, more instances where they don't. So we still do have slaves today, we just kind of prefer them to be further away. It is for this reason that Miss Seymour is a really important character in this episode. Basically, where others in the episode tiptoe around the subject, she outright says that slavery is bad. It is undeniable that she is right, and it is also noticeable that where T.E. Lawrence inspired Indiana Jones to be an archaeologist, in this one, Miss Seymour helped him to direct his moral compass. From the scene where Miss Seymour says that slavery is bad, Indy makes a point of treating Omar with respect and as a friend, not as a slave. Interestingly though, it is noticeable that when Omar does not want to do something, Indy still kind of forces him to, and once again Omar goes back into that kind of role. For me, this episode does two main things. It teaches Indiana Jones about morals and shows him that for someone to truly not be a slave, they have to have their own voice, 
and be able to undertake their own actions. And also, whilst the first half of this film, you know, the part set in Egypt, lined up nicely with Raiders of the Lost Ark as it kind of showed why he wanted to become an archaeologist, this one lines up nicely instead with the Temple of Doom. After all, in that film, the children are chained together and forced to work in the mine for the Fuggy Cult. In this one, all of the slaves we see are also children and forced to work. Overall, I felt that this was a really solid story. I will admit, I did feel uncomfortable whilst watching it, but I also feel that that is appropriate for the subject matter. I would give this second half a 7 out of 10. In terms for the reviews for the film as a whole, they were pretty mixed. It does not have a critical consensus on Rotten Tomatoes, but it has an audience score of 43%, and on IMDb it has a 6.7 out of 10. In general, for the film as a whole, some people found it to be a fun, educational adventure that did a lot to lead up to the Harrison Ford films. However, there were quite a few people who gave it a lower score due to the repackaging. They basically preferred the original format. Also, there are one or two reviews that complained that the whole adventure did feel a little bit too childish. Finally, several reviews felt that the morals presented in the film were a bit ropey to say the least. For myself, it is fair to say that it is a little bit childish in, in places. This can mainly be seen in the first half, but in all honesty, I don't necessarily think that this is a bad thing. There is also plenty here for adults after all as well. When it comes to the moral arguments, I mean, yeah, this film was made in 1999. There are going to be elements of it that are a bit dated. That's unavoidable. But I actually do believe that the film meant well. And also, I appreciate that the film showed how complicated things like slavery can be, especially when it's intertwined with social norms. This does not make slavery okay, far from it. But I do also feel this is probably how it was viewed back in the day, and the moral of the story here is still very much that slavery is bad. After all, the character who's saying the correct things here is Miss Seymour. So, whilst I would give the uh, this, this second part a 7 out of 10, I gave the first part an 8 out of 10, so I feel it's only fair to give the, uh, the entire film a 7.5 out of 10. Thank you very much for listening. I certainly hope you have enjoyed these last couple of episodes. If you have, please like, subscribe, leave a comment, and join me next time where we shall be looking at a film that sees an elderly Elvis Presley fighting a mummy in a care home, Baba Hotep from 2002. I hope you all have a really good week, and see you then. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.